The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Dynamic Healing, with two experts in chronic pain, David Hanscom and Les Aria. This podcast will show you how to unlock your body's ability to heal. Just breathe and learn how to rewire your brain and break free from chronic pain. Welcome to Dynamic Healing Podcast. I'm Les Aria. And I'm David Hanscom. And today, folks, we have for you something called trapped by your thoughts, the need for mental control. Now, this is an important topic, and today's purpose is to take a look at disruptive thoughts, a truly universal and part of human consciousness. For many, they become very intense, enough to compromise your quality of life. Now, they arise from the need for mental control. David? Well, there's a quote, there's an Austrian psychiatrist in World War II who was in, in a concentration camp. And he wrote one of the best-selling books of all time is called Man's Search for Meaning. His name is Viktor Frankl, F-R-A-N-K-L. And he actually found meaning in life in the midst of a concentration camp. It's unbelievable. And so he understood this whole process of the consciousness very clearly and made some very definite choices. And here's one of his more famous quotes. It says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And that space is our power to choose our response. And I read this book 30 years ago. And I've read it several times since. And it's a fascinating book. It's, I don't think I could do what he did. I think it's unusual. But in general, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. You can become a victim of circumstances or you can choose an alternative. So he figured this out in the middle of a concentration camp under unspeakable suffering and a lot of us in modern life have a lot of suffering that borders on speak borders on unspeakable because we're trapped by it. We don't see an end to it. But maybe one of the biggest things that trap us are our thoughts. And on the last podcast, we talked a little bit about my experience with severe OCD. I call it silent OCD. I did not have external manifestations, but I was tormented by this repetitive, disturbing, intrusive, unspeakable thoughts. And the harder I fought these things, the worse it got. And I was in psychotherapy for years trying to solve the problem, but I developed crippling anxiety because what I now know is that thoughts fire up your fight or flight response. It's the same threat as a physical threat and it was sustained and it just flat out wore me down. It was a one aspect of the chronic pain process of this unrelenting anxiety 
impressive, intrusive, disturbing thoughts that I couldn't escape. I mean, the bottom line is you cannot outrun your, uh, outrun your mind. So we're gonna tell you this morning, I think there is an epidemic of what I call silent OCD. I swear essentially every person I get to know and talk to in some detail, these thought patterns arise. I mean, Les, what's your experience with this? Yeah, I think it's, it's um, as you said, it's it's a human experience. And this is how we are. As you were talking, I was thinking about this. Do fish really know they're swimming in water? And do humans know that we're thinking constantly? Perhaps, perhaps not. But our thoughts don't become a problem until we're trying to struggle with it, try to get rid of it, or we try to force something. It's like a square peg into a hole. And when we get trapped, pun intended, by our thoughts and the need for our mental control, that's when the problem really begins, David. It's such a human experience, but the worst I've seen, it torments people. Now, in our practice, then when we see people who are struggling with persistent pain, they get caught up in this rumination. And short of saying is, it's an obsession of it's kind of like when you um, get a, uh, a cut on your cheek or you bite the side of your cheek. When you're chewing, your tongue constantly checks on it. Or if you have um, a tooth or something stuck in between your teeth, your tongue is constantly checking on it. This is the same process that happens to us, whether we like it or not, conscious or unconscious. When we're struggling with a thought, there is a part of our mind that actually constantly checks on it. And so it's there. And it becomes more evident, especially when we're trying to get rid of something. It's kind of like, uh, David, uh, humor me, it's kind of like plugging your ears and um, with your index fingers and, uh, and saying, la, 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 not, not wanting to face the reality. And that is very punishing to many of my patients with pain, those without pain, trauma, depression, um, just generalized anxiety. It is overwhelming and punishing. Well, again, I always want to remind the audience that anxiety is a word just that we're going to substitute for it, to say activated threat response. In other words, you're in threat physiology. And so anxiety is the sensation generated by your threat being hyperimmune system, inflammation, metabolism. I mean, your body's fired up. So the sensation is what we call anxiety. But again, with human consciousness, mental thoughts, unpleasant thoughts, whether they're experienced or repressed or up that threat response. So I always ask a question to my people I work with, say, look, anxiety is a neurochemical reaction to a stress. And of course, pain is a stress, but my whole process is switched over to anxiety. I mean, pain is a signal. There's all sorts of types of pain, but pain is just a signal. Pain isn't the problem, it's a response to the pain. Going back to Victor Franco's quote, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And that space is our power to choose a response. So what happens is that you have this unpleasant sensory input, whether it's physical or mental, and you had to create a little bit of a space instead of being stress, automatic survival response, it's stress, space, choice of response. As you make those repetitive choices, you can't control your thoughts, but you can reprogram them. And that's the magic of the space that Dr. Frankel talks about. You make a constant choice of choosing a positive alternative, not positive thinking, positive alternative. When things are bad, they're bad, but you can repetitively make a choice to reprogram your brain to go a different direction. So instead of being stress, automatic survival response, it's a choice or response. And with repetition, those responses become much more viable and much more enjoyable. 
Yeah, in, in folks, when David says uh, reprogram your thoughts, what, what David and I is suggesting is that as you show up differently to what shows up. Right. And, um, and we're not trying to um, change your thinking and anything like that. Nothing wrong with changing your thinking. However, when it comes to more sensitive things in our lives, like a death or, you know, a tax bill or anything that's very, very, you know, overwhelming, when we try not to think about it, it just seems to worsen on the inside. It sort of stirs the pot. And so what I've discovered, um, and by the way, David, I was on um, uh, Georgie Oldfield's um, 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 website yesterday and I did a presentation for her group, um, SERPA, um, uh, someone who does um, pain recovery work in the United Kingdom. And what was interesting about that as I was talking to her and her um, colleagues about that a lot of people try to get out of pain, so to speak, get out of depression, anxiety, and all of that. But what they fail to realize is they're not equipped with certain skills. And that's what we're kind of talking about here. When we're not well equipped with specific evidence-based skills, such as, and, and my bias is acceptance and commitment therapy, when you don't know how to relate to what shows up, the torment is unbearable. It's kind of like trying to open a, and this is terrible comparison, but this is what popped up in my head, David. So um, it's like trying to open a soup can and that that can opener is so blunt, you're struggling and fighting with it. And so when we have the right tool or tools, we tend not to be consumed by the very thing that's overwhelming us. So this is why we're really, really big on saying, when we say you have choice, we're not saying that you have choice to what showed up. That's not what we're saying. We're saying is when something difficult shows up, like a difficult thought that just keeps ruminating about, you keep ruminating about it. It's the point we're talking about here is this, is in that moment of rumination, one, are you aware that that's what's unfolding? And most of the time we kind of know, but we don't. And David, I wanted to kind of just chat briefly about that. Some of my patients, including myself, I don't realize I'm ruminating or obsessing about something, so to speak, until it actually, until I actually develop symptoms in my body, such as a mood shift, all of a sudden I become irritable, or uh, I become um, less patient. Um, I will notice sometimes there's greater tension around my jaw or my low back that seems to become amplified. And sometimes when I don't recognize the thoughts and emotions showing up, what I will notice is just more intense breathing or I'll hold my breath. So I'll run that by those three points. Sometimes we may not recognize the thoughts that we're avoiding. Uh, it may show up. You may kind of put it in the back stove of your mind, but how it sometimes shows up for myself and my patients is that it shows up as the, the difficult thoughts and emotions. And even ones that you're kind of trying to control, not think about when you don't do that, what you don't express actually gets impressed in the body. You'll notice mood shifts, one. Two, you'll notice tension or old injuries become more sensitized. Three, you will notice your breath rate changes. These are symptoms that you are trying to fight with what is there. So again, to remind the audience, what causes your breath rate to go up? It's your body's chemistry. So adrenaline's up, Inflammatory markers are up, metabolism's up. So your muscles are tight. Um, for me, little, these little skin rashes pop up in the back of my wrist consistently, or my ears start to ring, or my feet start to burn. So 
that's not psychological. I mean, are these skin rashes psychological? No. So my body, so my, remember stress is the threat and it's a stress response, a total body response to a threat that causes reaction. So what we wanna to do today is to still delineate the nature of the problem. Then the next few podcasts, we're gonna go into the solutions of the same. But um, I'm gonna to jump to the end of the story and work backwards a little bit. So when you have the re repetitive thought patterns, they become circuit, just like your tongue going to a sore in your mouth, your brain yeah. tries not to think about something. So I call it phantom brain pain. Mm -hmm. So we have phantom limb pain where, where the leg isn't there, but you feel it. So you have these thought patterns, they're just, they're just spinning away. And so I liken it to a basketball on your finger. If you think about the thoughts, you're spinning the basketball. If you're repressing the thoughts, you're spinning the basketball even faster. Then they become what I call little dust devils, these little mini tornadoes in the desert or per, whatever you call these little windstorms in the desert. They start spinning away and there's trillions of them in your brain and you have no control over these things. So the more you try to reason with them, the worse they get. So I'm gonna talk about the story. There's an essay written by Dr. Daniel Wegner in 1999 called The Seed of Our Undoing. And this is an interesting story is that <clears throat> there's two problems here. We all know about the white bears experiment. We try not to think about, think about something, you think about it more. And the story he tells is called The Seed of Our Undoing that in, in great tragedy, the hero always takes himself down. Now, why would he do that? He has, he's beautiful, he's strong, he's powerful, he owns the world, he's the Greek hero. But in Greek tragedy, the hero always takes himself down. Les, why is that? I'm telling you, this is, um, this is um, script writers have been doing this since Aristotle's days. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the reality is this is, is wherever we fight, we actually become, that includes things in our life, whether we try to avoid feelings, thoughts, emotions, don't want to be like our dads and moms, we end up being there. Because it's the paradoxical effect, right? Or the seed of our undoing, as you would say. Right, but why, why would such a well-intentioned person be more tortured by this than somebody who's sort of a sociopath? Well, I'll tell you, it's because they care enough. Right, so that's the key. So if you're not particularly well-intentioned, there a lot of crazy thoughts come through your brain you just don't even pay attention to. So this is what's so horrible about the human existence because there's two parts. So, the people that are most well-intentioned are more tortured by these thoughts than people yeah. that don't, they don't give up whatever. <laughs> yeah. I guess we're on the air, so I have, to, I have to wash my language, right? That's correct, David, but continue. But, right, I'll, I'll behave. But, but I mean, the bottom line is, if you're a well-intentioned person, you're going to be more tortured by these thoughts because, okay, some thought comes through, you don't really care, and so it just comes and goes. But see, it's when you give meaning to the thought. In other words, you have a chemical reaction to the thought, you've now made a neurological connection. So the more of a well-intentioned person you are, the higher percent of thoughts you think are unacceptable. So you some crazy thought 30 years ago, of course you toss it aside. It has nothing to do with who you are. Then it comes back again, and you toss it aside again and again and again. Well, unfortunately, it has nothing to do with who you are. It's actually who you're not. <clears throat> But as you continue to toss it aside, it becomes a monster, a demon. And I've mentioned this several times on the show before, is that your demons are who you are not. 
And it's hard to understand that, but it's really critical to understand this one factor. So neurological, I don't know if the word is neurological trick is the right answer, but you know, your demons are who you are not. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So, um, I don't know. What, so, I mean, that's, that's part of the story that we already know that, you know, the white bears thing, you try not to think about white bears, you think about it more, but that's what's so frustrating that people that are well-intentioned are burned by anxiety. People that are somewhat sociopathic are not. And so they're like a hot knife through butter. So the people that could offer, offer the most good to this planet actually get crippled by anxiety. Yeah. David, you know, as you were talking, um, I could not, help but um, recall a recent study that came out. I'm not sure you read, I'll send it over to you because I think you'll really enjoy it really to this topic. Um, it was about perfectionism and, um, and extreme um, anxiety, like I'm short of saying obsession. People who are perfectionistic have this intense, um, pretty much just as we're talking, trapped by their thoughts. And um, I, I think you'll really like this and the audience will probably like this. It's very intriguing. The researchers were examining the link between perfectionism, and by the way, I'll talk about the three types of perfectionism, which relates back to being trapped by our thoughts and relates to what David said is, you know, when David asked me, why, why do people with good intentions, um, you know, feel this paradoxical effect? that you're trying not to feel the anger and then you feel more anger. Right. You try not to make a mistake, but you keep making more mistakes. You try not to be like your dad, but you keep becoming like your dad or your mom. And so you get trapped. So the this art, this study, which, um, which is published in the, let me double check that. It's published in the Journal of Social and Clinical Psychology, which is a pretty um, um, high-end uh, journal in my field. And the study came out and basically was studying the link between perfectionism, depression, and social disconnection. 
So, um, and they confirmed that um, the perfectionism, the type of perfectionism does influence your depression and social distancing that you tend to do disconnection that is. And I just wanted to briefly mention this, not to get off topic, but I just wanted to mention to the whole audience is this, they found that uh, there are different effects and we can actually link it to our topic today about being trapped in your thoughts and with mental control. One perfectionism is called self-oriented perfectionism. It's a form of perfectionism that demands the most out of you. Like you're very punishing to yourself and you're trying not to make mistakes. Mainly you feel less than, and you just, it's all about you trying to be perfect. Thanks. It reminds me of being a surgeon, but see which one you fall into, David. I'm just teasing him right now. You're, don't worry, David. I got two more. Of the he, he, he just sort of jealous because I actually am perfect. But... <laughs> Sorry about that, Les. You know, so... <laughs> Perfection. You're not, not going to be an NBA basketball player. You're not going to be perfect. You're not going to be David. <laughs> Folks, he's poking at my height. Is that a perfectionism <laughs> issue? All right. So one perfectionism issue is, um, or category is called self-oriented perfectionism, as I just mentioned. It's about demands of oneself. It's all about you. Um, and it's what most people think of when they talk about perfectionism. Another um, second category, three, there are three. It's called other-oriented perfectionism, other-oriented. And this is about requires perfectionism from others. You demand your partner, your kids to be perfect, like the way they speak in sports and studies. And this is commonly seen in certain ethnic cultures and also um, around the world. And then the third category is called socially prescribed perfectionism. Now here is interesting. This type of perfectionism holds others um, that for the approval. So I need to be perfect to be loved. And sometimes we could have these combinations, but the study goes on to show that it really does a strong effect on depression. And when we're trapped by our thoughts and we cannot get away from it because you don't have the right skills so you don't have the right understanding of what's happening, we actually get exhausted and we actually go into what we call a freeze and flop response in your nervous system. And you tend to feel numb, dissociated, and you're just not enjoying life at all. All this while you're so exhausted because you've been running a marathon and trying to run from your shadow. Well, going back to the neurophysiology. So first of all, I wanna go back to the um, phantom brain pain. So there's no end point to perfectionism. So these thoughts, not only there's no end to perfectionism, but all of a sudden your brain takes off like a rocket. So they also have these spinning circuits you have no control over. And the other thing is when you have personal perfectionism, you're projecting that onto others and to society. So it does start with you. And the part that's hit me really hard here the last few weeks is that all of us will do anything to avoid the sensation or an activated threat response, what we call anxiety. Again, it's the cause of psychological issues. It's not, the, it's not a diagnosis in and of itself. It's the driving force. So we do anything in the world to avoid the sensation. And so again, repression is probably the most thing we do, but we become very, we become skilled at dysfunctional coping skills. We're highly skilled in being dysfunctional. And so you can change that with programming, which we'll talk about in future podcasts. But I do want to finish off this story about the seed of our undoing. So we all sort of know when you try not to think about something, you think about it more, your demons become your robots. But the part that hit me a few months ago, which really bothers me a lot, which is actually a bigger problem, that the more, the higher your ideals, mm, the right, worse right. the problem. I mean, this is the part that I'd missed before for years is that the research shows if you want to be happy, you're going to end up being sad. And this is what I learned from you, Dr. Arya, is that, okay, I want to be happy, 
But your unconscious brain, which is much more powerful, says, well, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to find the ways you're not going to be happy. Right. Unfortunately, such a mismatch is that it wipe, it takes you out. Yeah. So if you try to be happy, you end up being paradoxically very sad. If you try to be sad, you'll end up being very happy. And so is that need? So the seed of our undoing is the need for mental control. So that's where he also points out Greek tragedy, most well-intentioned people, the ones that have the highest ideals, the ones who could actually do the most good for the world are burdened by oppressive anxiety. It's a neurological trick of human consciousness. I call it the curse of consciousness. So that's why, okay, so you look at the world. I don't know, not all world leaders are sociopathic, but a lot of them are pretty brutal. They're not really burdened by good intentions. They're definitely self-serving. They're definitely for more power. And what drives it need for power is more control because what you're trying to do, the more control, what drives what drives this need for power is anxiety. Because the more power you have, the more control you have, the better, you know, you can sort of control anxiety to some degree with it. But the bottom line is the people that have been most well-intentioned that can offer the most to the world are crippled by, not only say crippled, but they're burned by anxiety. Yeah. And so that's it. That's the part that I had missed over and over again. So either way, we have a trick of human consciousness. So whether you're trying to suppress unpleasant thoughts or trying to have your high ideals and express positive thoughts, both are, they're both problems. And so again, we're going to go into the solutions later, but the bottom line is that anxiety and anger are survival reactions. They're simply the sensations generated by your body's physiology. And so when you can't escape your thoughts, your body's physiology is in high gear. You just get worn out. And by the way, you get sick. Yeah. The essence of chronic disease, mental, physical, is sustained exposure to fight or flight physiology. You're revved up all the time. And the data is really incredibly consistent. Hundreds, maybe thousands of papers now showing that chronic stress causes illness, disease, and a shortened lifespan. Not even talking about your quality of life. So I just want to finish up the idea is that this problem with these unpleasant thought patterns are universal. I guess one of the biggest things I want to say is that you aren't alone in this. And you can also give yourself a little bit of credit because if you're tortured by these crazy thought patterns, that you're a good person in an ironic way is that that really means you're a good person. The problem is they're so encompassing your body's chemistry involves every cell in your body, your identity is wrapped up in this thing. And so what we'll talk about in future podcasts is that you learn to take anxiety and anger and develop a working relationship with them. They are what you have to survive, but they're not who you are. And so when I, again, when I talk to people, especially, I mean, I'm not gonna say just healthcare professionals, anybody that's in a mode to have good intentions, I'm telling you this, problem with obsessive thought patterns is pretty darn universal. I'm just blown away when I start talking to people really carefully. So my message today is that you are not alone and it is a very solvable problem. Yeah. Am I missing something here, Dr. Arya? No, I think I think it is. And when we say solvable again, just to remind everyone, it's not about now trying to control your thoughts. It's about learning to relate differently to them. Let me repeat that slowly so you heard me. So you really hear me on this. When we say solve the problem, we're talking about learning to show up differently to what showed up. When you're having this very painful, punishing thoughts, the term that David and I use is to welcome the unwelcomed, and it's a skill set that you need to have. 
And a great way to start doing this is to simply start practicing mindfulness. And again, get with a practitioner or take a course on learning how to do this. So it's about being, as David and I like to use the word, aware. Being aware of something just showed up and learning to recognize that even between that stimulus and your reaction, as David pointed out with the, with the quote, is that we, you have choice. What does that mean? It means that you can direct your attention. Where is your attention? If your attention is constantly about trying to avoid or your attention is actually constantly on the thoughts on how to get rid of them, that is draining. So with that said, David, before I head back over to you here is, I agree with David, it's universal. Get some skills. Now, um, not to be too biased in the sense, but I've, I've received different trainings and I highly recommend people check out Acceptance and Commitment Therapy Act. Not that the others are not good. I've just found out that over the years and what David and I are talking about, Act seems to teach you how to welcome the unwelcomed. It's like being okay swimming in your thoughts, but not being controlled by your thoughts. And when you can recognize that when you try to control your thoughts, avoid them, replace them, sweep them into rug, whatever it is we do, or use distractions in our life, it becomes a bigger problem. And one day when you open the closet, it all falls out. So to avoid that, please definitely seek proper help. Well, it's interesting you mentioned ACT because I, I said 15 years ago, I said, you know, when I look at the doc journey and the book that I wrote, it's really basically um, a sort of a written form of ACT. It is. Yeah. So you learn to be with your thoughts. You learn not to fight them. I mean, there's lots of other layers to it. <clears throat> I did yeah. not know about the physiology. I did not know about ACT. But I, I did understand the term you've used over and over again is the word psychological flexibility. Can you explain that concept? Yeah, yes. Absolutely. I can explain that. And uh, there are six psychological factors that make up um, psych uh, psychological flexibility. In simplicity here, let's just break it down to three categories. Um, and this is how I teach my patients. This is how I practice it. And David already has, has been practicing it, just like in his book. Um, unknowingly, he, his book really is a reflection of acceptance and commitment therapy. The three ways to kind of really practice psychological flexibility is this is step one, become aware of what just showed up. What does that mean? Just pay attention to, did you notice a mood shift, tension? Do you notice your breath rate right now? Step two, and by the way, in step one, notice where it's showing up in your body. So become aware that there was a mood shift, tension shift, and or your breath rate changed. That means something just showed up. Your nervous system, your brain just dumped something in the middle. So instead of trying to push it away, I want you to take notice. Where in the body did you notice that sensation, that shift, that breath rate changing. Step two, see if you can just show up without trying to fight it, which means open up to what just was there, as opposed to trying, I don't like this, getting into a tug of war. So become aware, open up. And opening up basically means is I'm willing to experience this, hear this difficult thought, willing to experience this difficult emotional sensation. A willingness is key. Because what you're not willing to have, you're going to have it. And that's the phenomenon we've been talking about. So become aware, open up to what showed up. And then this third step is basically is ask yourself, how do you wish to be towards yourself during this difficult moment and towards the other person? And that's called a value-based decision. So with that said, we can actually 
go back to our podcast where we kind of simplified it even more and walked you through a step called, you know, catch, check, choose. David? So let's just review a little bit what we talked about today is that we, I, we feel pretty strongly that these obsessive thought patterns, disturbing thought patterns, wherever they are, are way more common than people want to discuss. I mean, they're shameful. You feel bad about them. You don't want to discuss them. And then they play out in many, many different ways. The problem is these obsessive thought patterns fire up your nervous system and they fire up your physiology. So you're in a constant state of fight or flight, which is not a very pleasant way to live your life. The word we use for fight or flight is anxiety, not a psychological term, a physiological process. And Dr. Arya said multiple times, anxiety, your what your physiology determines your psychology, right, Les? Yep, and like, then your psychology can also activate your physiology. Right, so it's a bi-directional process and you cannot outrun your mind. So what we talked about today was called the seed of our undoing and the seed is the need for mental control. And so we try to suppress thoughts that become stronger. We try to think positive thoughts, they become less likely to happen which is really ironic. So his term for this whole process is called the ironic effect. So once you understand it's a neurological phenomenon, I'll use the word neurological trick. It is not who you are. It's a, what I call it the curse of consciousness. It's very universal. And let's do bring up an important point as far as language. It's solvable by not trying to, you learn skills to process it mm -hmm. and you solve it by letting go and moving forward. And you can't just let go. There's a, there's definitely a skill set involved about letting go. And that's what we teach, what we observe, what we experience. It's why I quit my surgical practice, by the way. And my whole doctor journey process is switched over to anxiety, not the pain. The pain is a signal, but this unrelenting fired up threat response is a huge problem. Yeah. So the next few podcasts, we'll talk about some of the techniques and let's really quick just review one more time about the, um, the ACT approach to dealing with these. Yeah, and so um, if you go back to our podcast too, we, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you two ways. And our podcast, just to work backwards here, is to really learn how to, if you go back, and I really hope that you will review this, um, everyone, is um, catch, check, choose catch the thoughts that are showing up catch meaning that become aware of what's showing up and that includes your emotions and sensations and notice it where in your body that's the key thing folks get out of your head into your body come home and check is basically check to see how much you're resisting on what's showing up the more you resist the more it persists make full contact with it sounds so asinine but catch check Check to make sure you're not resisting, but your dial of willingness. Imagine there were two dials. One willingness is higher than what is actually showing up, your reality. So if your willingness is higher, the willingness dial is higher than your reality. You're willing to experience this. You will notice it subsides sooner. Catch, check, choose is basically the question that David and I beg of ourselves and others is, when something difficult shows up, how do you wish to be towards yourself and others? And with that said, you can also look at it differently. Become aware, open up, and move towards what matters the most to you in life. And I just want to reread um, Dr. Frankel's quote. It says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And that space is our power to choose our response. And this repeatedly choosing alternative responses, that's what structurally changes your brain. 
Anyway, Les, thank you. It's a big topic. We'll be spending the next few sessions on how to unwrap it more and actually how to solve it by not trying to solve it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that, that. That's the hardest part about this whole process that we try to teach our patients and stuff is that we're all programmed to fix ourselves, yeah. which puts our attention on the problem, not the solution. Right. And so yeah. that's where we're um, excited about presenting this. We've seen a tremendous amount of success. And uh, yeah, tremendous amount of freedom, liberty, and moving forward. So, Les, yeah. uh, Dr. Arya, thank you. Dr. Hanscom? I think I just had the last word. Did I just have the last oh, word. Oh, let me see. I'm going to slip it in here, folks. Be kind to yourself as always. Okay, you get the last word. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. David and Les would love to hear from you about today's podcast and any ideas for future topics. You can email them at david les at dynamichealingpodcast.com. That's david-less at dynamichealingpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Liz Winter, and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Mediumship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.